Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Ask the Oracles with Reverend Renee. Bringing you live readings and the latest in current events as it relates to astrology, numerology, the tarot, and general spirituality. Here is your host, Renee Tarot. Good afternoon, everyone. It is 3 p.m. on December 20th, 2019. Welcome to Ask the Oracles with me, Reverend Renee. We've got some things we need to talk about. I'm Reverend Renee. I'm host and producer here as well on Blog Talk and YouTube. I'm an ordained reverend, certified spiritual counselor and astrology enthusiast, offering phone consultations and personalized pre-recorded videos to address your issues. This podcast features one-of-a-kind astroscopes, music, interest stories, and during this time, I address your life questions using tarot, angel and oracle cards, as well as other wisdom tools. want to greet all of you on Blog Talk. And for those of you who will listen later on iTunes, Spreaker, TuneIn, wherever you're listening from, we've got some things to talk about, a lot going on in the news. So this show will be geared toward current events with regard to President Donald Trump, the impeachment, and the recent Christianity Today article. I want to read the article to you. We want to discuss it. We want to look at Trump's record per his own words on his own website. And we just want to talk about where everybody is coming from because I myself need to gain understanding with regard to this, this, this battle between the GOP and the Democrats and what we are trying to accomplish as a country. Now, before I get started, please understand that I am going to speak as clearly as I can Understanding that this is a highly sensitive topic, people are very opinionated with regard to Donald Trump and what he stands for, and a lot of folks are done with politics as usual, and they want change, and that's why they thought Donald Trump would bring about this change, and if he doesn't deliver, many people will lose faith in the American system of government. And they don't want to do that. People do not want to lose hope. They really do want to drain the swamp. And there really was a swamp to be drained, okay? Secondly, I am not pro anyone. There are actually things I like about Trump. And I'll talk about that after reading the Christianity Today article to you. So let's go ahead and jump right in. We're going to start at the beginning. This is an editorial review. Trump should be removed from office. It's time to say what we said 20 years ago when a president's character was revealed for what it was. Mark Galli, December 19, 2019. Mark is the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today. In our founding documents, Billy Graham explains that Christianity Today will help evangelical Christians interpret the news in a manner that reflects their faith. The impeachment of Donald Trump is a significant event in the story of our republic. 
it requires comments. The typical CT, and that's Christianity Today, approach is to stay above the fray and allow Christians with different political convictions to make their arguments in the public square, to encourage all to pursue justice according to their convictions and treat their political opposition as charitably as possible. We want CT to be a place that welcomes Christians from across the political spectrum and reminds everyone that politics is not the end and purpose of our being. We take pride in the fact, for instance, that politics does not dominate our homepage. That said, we do feel it necessary from time to time to make our own opinions on political matters clear. Always, as Graham encouraged us, doing so with both conviction and love. We love and pray for our president as we love and pray for leaders as well as ordinary citizens on both sides of the political aisle. Let's grant this to the president. The Democrats have had it out for him from day one, and therefore nearly everything they do is under a cloud of partisan suspicion. This has led many to suspect not only motives but facts in these recent impeachment hearings. And no, Mr. Trump did not have a serious opportunity to offer his side of the story in the House hearings on impeachment. But the facts in this instance are unambiguous. The President of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the President's political opponents. That is not only a violation of the Constitution, more importantly, it is, a profound, it is profoundly immoral. The reason many are not shocked about this is that this president has dumbed down the idea of morality in his administration. He has hired and fired a number of people who are now convicted criminals. He himself has admitted to immoral actions in business and his relationship with women, about which he remains proud. His Twitter feed alone, with its habitual string of mischaracterizations, lies, and slanders, is a near-perfect example of a human being who is morally lost and confused. Trump's evangelical supporters have pointed to his Supreme Court nominees, his defense of religious liberty, and his stewardship of the economy, among other things, as achievements that justify their support of the president. We believe the impeachment hearings have made it absolutely clear, in a way that Mueller investigation did not, that President Trump has abused his authority for personal gain and betrayed his constitutional oath. The impeachment hearings have illuminated the president's moral deficiencies for all to see. This damages the institution of the presidency, damages the reputation of our country, and damages both the spirit and the future of our people. 
None of the president's positives can balance the moral and political danger we face under a leader of such grossly immoral character. This concern for the character of our national leader is not new in CT. In 1998, we wrote this, the president's failure to tell the truth, even when cornered, ripped at the fabric of the nation. This is not a private affair. For above all, social intercourse is built on a presumption of trust. Trust that the milk your grocer sells you is wholesome and pure. Trust that the money you put in your bank can be taken out of the bank. Trust that your babysitter, firefighters, clergy, and ambulance drivers will all do their best. And while politicians are notorious for breaking campaign promises while in office, they have a fundamental obligation to uphold our trust in them and to live by the law. And this, unsavory dealings and immoral acts by the president and those close to him have rendered this administration morally unable to lead. Unfortunately, the words we applied to Mr. Clinton 20 years ago apply almost perfectly to our current president. Whether Mr. Trump should be removed from office by the Senate or by popular vote next election, that is a matter of prudential judgment. That he should be removed, we believe, is not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. To the many evangelicals who continue to support Mr. Trump in spite of his blackened moral record, we might say this. Remember who you are and whom you serve. Consider how your justification of Mr. Trump influences your witness to your Lord and Savior. Consider what an unbelieving world will say if you continue to brush off Mr. Trump's immoral words and behavior in the cause of political expediency. If we don't reverse course now, will anyone take anything we say about justice and righteousness with any seriousness for decades to come? Can we say with a straight face that abortion is a great evil that cannot be tolerated and with the same straight face say that the bent and broken character of our nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end? We have reserved judgment on Mr. Trump for years now. Some have criticized us for our reserve. But when it comes to condemning the behavior of another, patient charity must come first. So we have done our best to give evangelical Trump supporters their due, to try to understand their point of view, to see the prudential nature of so many political decisions they have made regarding Mr. Trump. To use an old cliche, it's time to call a spade a spade. To say that no matter how many hands we win in this political poker game, we are playing with a stacked deck of gross immorality and ethical incompetence. 
And just when we think it's time to push all our chips to the center of the table, that's when the whole game will come crashing down. It will crash down on the reputation of evangelical religion and on the world's understanding of the gospel. And it will come crashing down on a nation of men and women whose welfare is also our concern, quote and unquote. Now, that technically is the end of the Christianity Today article that was published yesterday, okay? Now, some Christians feel like non-Christians don't have a right to talk about them. They are a very protected community or self-protected community who feel like anybody who doesn't agree with them is wrong and anybody who's not a part of them who talks about them is wrong. That's their own personal opinion. Now, this is actually trending on Twitter, which is why I want to talk about it. And I also want to talk about why people are holding on to faith in Trump. According to Twitter, Billy Graham's family have said they do not support this article. And I just want to put something in there. I am an, an average American that gets fed the same information as you. And I subscribe to the White House feeds and find them to be very flippant and uncaring about everything that's being said with regard to this historical impeachment process. It's almost like, how do you lead a country outside of the country's system? And how do you lead a government that you have so much disdain for unless it's benefiting you? Okay, like with how the governmental process benefited him in the first election when he did not win the popular vote. Now, people need to believe in something. People need to believe in their government. And one of the things that I found out in the last election is that this, and please excuse my language, I don't mean to offend anyone. This thing called white privilege It doesn't really privilege all white people. There are people who have been suffering, who have lost their ability to obtain a job, who have struggled to make their mortgage payments, who have struggled to support their families, who have been committing suicide, who have been downright broke. And when Mr. Trump, found out about this group of Americans who had become disenfranchised, but nobody realized it because all we see as non-white people is television. Television, movies, we listen to radio, we see social media, just regular stuff, but mostly television because most people currently who are not Caucasian don't 
really have a whole lot of Caucasian friends. They typically stick in their races. That probably is going to change somewhat. You might have one white friend, two white friends, but you don't really like spend a whole lot of time at their homes and you might know them from work or you might give them a baby shower or something, but mostly it's from work. You may even know some people at church. Okay. But with regard to the fact that this is a really big country with over 300 million people in it, we don't know. And we lost track of a big group of people who have been disenfranchised and who felt like all of their power was being taken away. And as an African-American People are like, well, we have to take care of our own people. Or as a a Latina, you might say you have to take care of your own people. You can't be worried about another race. We've had, we've all had our struggles. At the end of the day, we have all had our struggles. And I am not coming to the defense of Trump for not openly and quickly condemning racist acts. But I am saying that we have to understand that there is a whole group of people out there that have felt disenfranchised and have suffered as a result of it. And these are the people that Trump approached and directed his campaign to quite brilliantly, I might add, and ended up winning the presidency of the United States of America. So when you tell this very passionate group of people that Trump is going to be impeached, oh, my God, what will happen? Okay, (laughs) that's all I can say is what will happen. We need to work this out. Now, is the GOP holding out? because they know this could lead to some kind of, not a race war, just a war in general. There were a lot of African-American men that voted for Trump. There were a lot of women who voted for Trump. There were a lot of people who voted for Trump because they are tired of the political poker game, as Christianity Today has called this. It's a big mess, okay, where a lot of political strategy, it's a game, But the game is keeping people from putting food in the mouths of their children. Now, one of the things, these are the things I like about Trump, okay? He's not afraid, and I like that. He's not afraid to sit with the leader of NT country. I say NT on purpose. He is not scared. He will sit with anybody. He will sit with anybody. He is not afraid, and I like that. You need to have a strong leader. He deals with countries the way they deal with us. Instead of always taking down and and paying so much and giving everybody money and nobody is really helping us unless they want a big payback with a whole lot of interest, he's dealing with them the way they deal with us. He's saying, hey, this is not beneficial to our people. I'm not signing this deal. And I really like that. I really like that. If there was a a place in office or an office at the white house called the head businessman. I kind of would like Trump to be in that office so that we can get some money and that we can spread it amongst our people and we can have a better society. Now he understands that he needs to focus on America 
as he does a family versus trying to be the watchdog for all other countries. He has put America first, even though he has um, sustained and he has promoted some attacks on Syria with regard to some situations. And he has on his website, you can see what has been done with some sanctions with um, Iran. Now, there's sometimes on his website, he says that there have been sanctions on like Russia for their their proposed action with trying to kill a journalist in UK. But really all that meant was that certain ones of them had to leave the country. Like a few people had to leave the country. I wouldn't call that necessarily a sanction on Russia. I, I just feel like it should be said we asked them to leave the country. Okay. And so if you go to his website to see the promises that he made, um, you can just go to DonaldTrump.com or you can go to the other website is PromisesKept.com and see what he did. If you go to Donald Trump, Donald J. Trump, Donald J. Trump.com, click on Promises Kept or you can go directly to PromisesKept.com. Now, in looking at the PromisesKept.com website, there are certain things that Donald Trump has done. There are certain things that he just kind of piggybacked on what the Obama regime has done. Because when it comes to a country and when it comes to an economy, once you make a decision to put something in place, it takes years for the benefits of that to be seen. So some of the things that Obama put in place in his organization started to be seen, the benefits started to be seen under the Trump administration. So Trump could say, especially with regard to the economy, that he took credit for it under his regime. The one thing he can say is that he didn't really mess it up, okay? Now, there are other things that he did with regard to law, with regard to justice, that he can say he did. If you want to see more police on the street. Now, personally, I think we have enough police officers. But there were some other things that he did that seems to have to do with getting some of the gangs off the street. Um, but if you look at those things under immigration, there are some things under the tab of immigration that President Trump did, and I'll let you go on that website and look at it yourself, promiseskept.com, that he actually did do that work. Um, there are some things um, he has. These are the different um, categories, economy and jobs, immigration, foreign policy, national security and defense land and agriculture regulation and that's about removed it says president trump removed red tape and uh, and ended unnecessary regulations that stifle economic growth and prosperity now if you click on that it takes you to another website that tells you how he actually did it and it says he's rolling back Wasteful and costly regulations that have stood in the way of hardworking Americans. He signed an executive order mandating two regulations must be eliminated for every regulation created in order to reduce compliance costs. And that's kind of a big thing because if there's less cost, there's more money for profit and also for human resources. Throughout 2017, 
President Trump has made good on his promise to cut red tape, and in doing so, he has re-energized the United States agricultural, energy, and infrastructure sectors by freeing them from oppressive and stifling regulations. That could be good or bad, depending on what regulations they have been relieved from. President Trump has signed 15 Congressional Review Act resolutions into law, more than any other president, ending burdensome Obama-era rules and regulations. According to a study by NERA Economic Consulting, implementing the Obama administration's plan under the Paris Climate Agreement would have cost the United States economy nearly $3 trillion and $6.5 million industrial sector jobs by 2040. I don't know all the details of that, but it sounds pretty good. President Trump signed 15 Congressional Review Act resolutions into law that is estimated to save American taxpayers $3.7 billion. According to a study by NERA Economic Consulting, if we implemented the Obama administration's plan under the Paris Climate Agreement, it would have cost the U.S. economy more than $3 trillion annually and $6.5 million. Okay, so that's a duplicate. And one of the things you'll find on his website when he lists all the promises kept is there is a lot of duplication and some of it he'll say he did something but he doesn't compare it to what other people other administrations have done in the past so you don't have anything to compare it to there's not a lot of history or that it was started in this administration and we finished it or we did this much and this is more than what has ever been done sometimes he does it Sometimes he doesn't. So anytime you're listing a statistic, you need to compare it to what has been done in previous years so that we can know how you have improved the situation. It said he signed an executive order that reduced the time it took to approve infrastructure projects from 10 years to two years. That's good. President Trump has rolled back President Obama's job-killing power plan and ended the previous administration's war on coal. I don't know about that because I don't know if that's healthy, okay? So some of the stuff he did, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. Now, I would say that if you're not an immigrant and if you do believe in his policy with regard to immigration, that some of the things he has done under his immigration plan has been pretty good with regard to um, the the criminal people with illegal with illegal immigration who have records in the countries they came from. But you have to look at each case. I mean, because if there was an unjust law in their previous country and they were just trying to get freedom from that law. They would be considered a criminal from their previous country, but the law was unjust. So you really have to look at each of those. But with regard to gangs and, and, and what he's done with regard to ridding the country of gangs, that is good. Um, again, there were some things that I did not feel like a lot of people would agree with, like his work with DACA. Um, deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, which has to do with people who were born here by immigrants and things of that nature. So it just depends on how you're looking at it from a standpoint of the fact that 
a lot of people are saying that he's harder on the immigrants from the south of the border than he is on immigrants from um, Europe, per se. People, Caucasian immigrants, have an easier time, some people say. Now, I have no proof of that. Now, when it comes to saying that he has all these jobs here and there's more jobs than there are unemployed people, if those jobs have to do with jobs that require high skill, high education, engineering, doctors, and things of that nature, nurses, and you got a whole bunch of people in the job force that only have a high school diploma or less, then that's not a good statement. You have to make statements that say we have unskilled laborers and unskilled jobs that compare to each other. You can't lump everybody in a category with doc. You can't lump unskilled laborers and factory workers with doctor and lawyer jobs. That's just not right. So there's a lot of work that is needed on the promiseskept.com website, but there is a lot of work that he has done that is listed on that website. But the fact that he is or has been impeached, which he has been impeached, meaning that his he has impeached or gone against the Constitution. It's been proven because the the House of Representatives can't impeach, but they cannot remove him from office. The Senate has to remove him from office, and he has to have a trial at, with the Senate. Now, the Senate claims that he has not impeached or he has not done anything to be impeached. Now, a lot of world leaders will say things like, if you do this, we will give you aid. If you do this, we will remove sanctions. That's what sanctions are all about. They're asking a country to do something in order to remove a stipulation or punishment. Um, they can get more money. They can get funding. I mean, that's what happened with Cuba. You couldn't get any medical supplies. They couldn't get any funding. We we weren't importing from them. It was a part of a sanction. But the problem is when you start asking people to do favors against your political opponents, that's where it got tricky. And that is what he was being impeached for. Um the fact that he speaks his mind and, and sometimes says things he does not need to say or that he can appear to be gruff or that people consider him to be a narcissist, um, you know, that's most – I can't say that. A lot of people in America, specifically men, have those quali- qualities. But you're not divorcing them and you're not leaving them and you're not saying that's not your son or you're saying you're not saying that's not your brother – I think he's just being himself. And I think that's one of the things that people like about him. They don't like that he's somewhat spoiled. They don't like that he has a tendency to attack people um, and that he doesn't show a lot of coof and control with regard to that. And a lot of people feel that he does not represent them from a moral standpoint. But even if he has an affair or if he paid somebody off, to because he didn't want them to say anything so that he could get the election. I don't have a problem with that per se because I understand the human condition and that there are no perfect people among us. They're just people that hide their crap. 
but when it comes to um, doing things to discredit candidates, like there were certain people in a Time magazine article that they actually interviewed people to ask them why did they vote for Trump. And one lady said, I could not bring myself to vote for Hillary. And she could not bring herself to vote for Hillary because of what was going on with these emails. And everybody kept talking about these emails, these emails. Well, when I went on the website to see what the emails were about, they really weren't about anything. They were just saying, I think she was maybe even planning some kind of wedding or or event. And it wasn't that big of a deal. But because there was so much flack put out in the media, people started to see Hillary as this really awful person that they could not vote for. And that's kind of what he was trying to do to Joe Biden. And I think that's wrong. I think Hillary was just a good, as good of a person as he was. Now, there was something that happened in a particular country where some people got killed when Hillary was over the State Department. And Hillary did not have a good... Um, explanation of that but even that particular instance does not negate her ability to have been the president now there were a lot of countries that did not like Hillary and there were a lot of black men and black people that did not like Hillary because Hillary and her husband were responsible for breaking up the black family structure and creating a hot mess and contributing to the prison culture, which it, that incarcerated a lot of people of color. Now, Don, not not Donald Trump, but um, Hillary and specifically her husband Bill Clinton have gone to black forums, black conferences, black churches, and they have apologized. And he has, I have heard him say out of his mouth that he he now realizes. That was not the best policy. So they have apologized for that. And I appreciate that. But it still affected, negative, negatively affected a lot of, of, of families. So the Christianity Today magazine seems to think that based on the testimony that was taking place in Congress, in the House of Representatives, that... And based on the activities and the behavior of Donald Trump, that he should be impeached. Um, I think he should be reprimanded, but I do not think he should be impeached. And the reason why I feel like he should be reprimanded, and I think he owes the American people an apology, but I don't think he should be Impeached, And the reason why I don't think he should be impeached is because I do not feel that there's anybody any better, really, that is available right now to do the job, okay? I feel like we need to continue on with the election process because the, the best people to run for the job are out there right now campaigning and we need to go ahead and hear what they have to say listen to the debates, and make a decision 
if there's anybody that's 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 good enough to run this country that's going to do it any better than what Donald Trump is doing right now. Donald Trump saying crazy things on Twitter is not big enough. I think we understand him like we understand a gruffy dad, okay? We kind of know where he's coming from. We know what he's all about. It's unfortunate that he has caused some people in America to feel really bold or emboldened to express racism. I personally don't think Donald Trump is a racist. I think he's an I don't likeist, and that means that he's against anything he doesn't like. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think he has anything to do with racism. He doesn't like Nancy Pelosi any more than he liked any of the black congressmen that were against him. So I think he's a I don't likeist, not a racist. Now, we know, based on newspaper articles, that his father was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. And some people say the apple don't fall far from the tree. I'm sure he has some political affiliations and he has some um, some strong support that is for the Klan. And he might have some, I doubt if he has any support from the Black Panthers, but I'm sure that um, Obama has support from the Black Panthers, okay? So I, there's always some leftist or rightist group that's going to support you. You can't really help that, okay? People are how they are. They have their mindset. Some people are far left. Some people are far right. And they're going to pick a candidate too, okay? The the fact that he has, he did come out, at he started to in, in recent months. He has come out and he has begun to kind of slam things more strongly. But that, I think, is just growth. Is he flawed as a human? Yes, we all are. His flaws are just more public than most. But I think that if he were to remain the president, I doubt very seriously if it's going to, I don't feel like it's going to be a big problem. I don't know everything, but that's just, I think it's more of a problem for him not to be president than it would be for him to remain president. I think that his supporters would be less angry if we just go ahead and let him finish his term. And then if he is voted out of office, they can't argue with that. But if that, if he just gets kicked out, oh, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a big problem. So having said that, oh, just on another note, this is kind of off topic, but sort of not. In December 2019, it was discovered that the U.S. Department of Agriculture's website listed Wakanda as a free trade partner with a list of traded goods, which included ducks, donkeys, and dairy cows. Okay. <laughs> so because Trump is president, everyone is saying it was under his administration and the administration is saying that was just a test. I'm sure somebody within the ranks did that just to try to make the administration look kind of goofy. As you all know, Wakanda is a fictitious place, the city that the Black Panther is from in the DC comics, okay, or Marvel comics, one of them. So as I mentioned, 
I think that this is um, it's going to be something that the Christians have to kind of decide how they feel. I didn't understand when Paula White came out and started to promote Donald Trump. I didn't understand why she was doing it. I could understand Paula Trump or Paula White just not saying anything, and I could understand her um, kind of saying, "Well, I don't like certain things about him, but other than that, it's kind of okay." I don't understand why she would have to come out and promote him just because he's against abortion. Just because a president is against abortion does not make him a Christian president. It's just one of those things where I'm like, what are the what are Christians trying to prove by 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 promoting Trump? I I never have understood the connection. I know he went to the churches. I know he went to powerful churches during his campaign. I know a lot of people were laying hands on him and praying for him. But I was just like, how did Trump become a Christian delegate? Like, when did that happen? But anyway, um, I want to go to the phones and see if there's anybody who has a comment. Um, We have a caller. If you don't have a comment... You don't really have to make the comment. You can just say hello. Call it ending 3523. You are on the air. Hello? Okay. So maybe they did not want to make a comment. But that is what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to, it's not really one of those times where I wanted to answer a lot of questions, oracle questions or things of that nature. I just wanted to talk about and give my listeners who a lot of my listeners will be listening to this on different platforms as this is going to be recorded. I wanted to give them an opportunity to hear exactly what Christianity Today had to say. Um, I also want to go to the Time Magazine article and read what some of these people say about why they voted for Trump. So we have Daryl Wimbley, 48, from Saginaw, Michigan. He is an African-American man, or he looks to be an African-American man. After two decades as a car salesman, Wimbley hopes he will soon be able to franchise his hot dog stand business. This year was the first time he voted for a Republican for the White House. Looking back, he thinks his 2008 vote for Obama was the most racist thing I ever did. I voted for him simply because he was black, quote unquote, he says. Quote, America is a business. It is not a soup kitchen, unquote. He says, explaining his support for Trump. Quote, I have made a lot of money for other people. It's time I make it for myself, unquote. Wembley says his decision has come with a high cost from the other black members of his community. I'm dubbed a coon, an Uncle Tom. I should be killed. My baby should be killed, he says. These are people who say they are social justice warriors. They are saying the Constitution only applies to them. Okay, so this is a business owner. He he was a business owner who felt like this that the United States is a business and it is not just something that he should be just it's not just a, a soup kitchen. So Brittany Bouchult, 
26 years old, from Dallas, Pennsylvania. The certified nursing assistant and mother of two is usually too busy for politics. 2016 is the first time she showed up to vote. What got her to the polls this time around, she says, is partly her disappointment with President Obama, whose message she liked in 2008. He was all for the working class, but when he got in, it was all for the upper class, she says. She also, she's also disappointed with where she sees the country going. There's no more middle class, she says. There's a poor or there's rich, and there's nothing in between. Of all the women she works with, only one supported Hillary Clinton, she says. All the rest of us were Trump supporters. He's the one who's speaking to us. Now get this, quote, he's the one who's speaking to us, unquote, she said. He would come and do these rallies, or you'd hear him on TV, and he'd just say all the things we wanted to say. All right? So this is what people are saying. We have Sarah Vasquez. She's 27, or she was 27 at that time, from Saginaw, Michigan. So Vasquez is a political science college student who worked part-time at Burlington Coat Factory, supported John Kasich in the primaries, but then knocked doors for Trump in the general. Earlier in her life, she worked two or three jobs and for a time relied on food stamps. She remembers her role model, her grandfather, who left Mexico to work in middle Midwestern strawberry fields and died a U.S. citizen who she says owned a million-dollar home and his own business. I'm all for immigration if it is done legally and for people wanting to live the American dream like my grandfather did, she says. For things like abortion and gay marriage, even though I consider myself Republican, I think more along the lines of that's who you are. She adds, I have a cousin who has had three abortions and gay marriage became legal on my birthday. And I was just ecstatic about it as anyone else. Now she is, her grandfather is from Mexico, but she still believes in legal immigration. I'm going to, I'm going to give you one other group of people or a couple, Thomas and Erica McTagg. 38 and 33 years old from Plymouth, Pennsylvania at the time of this article. That's their age. Thomas, a police officer, and Erica, a hairstylist, appreciated Trump's stance on law enforcement and immigration, but voted largely on economic issues like unemployment, underemployment, and free trade that many in their community can't find reliable jobs that pay enough money to support a family is a huge concern. Go back 60, 70 years, and this area had industry and people had good jobs, he says. When Trump talked about getting rid of all this free trade stuff, he brought to life the way this country should be going. So based on what I'm seeing, a lot of people were just concerned about the economy. They were concerned about what was going on and that American people needed more opportunity and America needed to be put first. This article, if you're interested in reading it from time.com time magazine is called voices from democratic counties where Trump won big. Okay. So at the end of the day, anybody who wants to challenge Trump for office needs to understand that Americans want to be they want a, a president who is for Americans. 
They want a president who is going to put money in their pockets. They want a president is going to help them feed their children and have good holidays and go on vacations and things of that nature. America is kind of tired of taking care. They America is a very um, generous country, but at the same time, you got to take care of home. So if the if the candidates aren't really saying anything like that, then they're going to lose a lot of people. So we want to end by giving a shout out to all the people who are listening in countries such as the U.S., U.K., Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Norway, U- um, Ireland, Netherlands, Germany, Nigeria, Indonesia, Romania, Poland, Ukraine, South Africa. Let our show be the number one astrology tarot podcast and share our site on your favorite social media channel. Once again, if you'd like a private session, you can self-schedule one by clicking in the information box. We have two types of readings where you can speak to me directly for a spiritual counseling session, or if you have questions you just want to send me, I'll send you a 15-minute video to address your questions. And if you need help setting the atmosphere while you're listening to your favorite spiritual podcast, check out my store on Amazon, and you can find the link in the info box. Um, You can make contributions to this show via PayPal. Details are in the information box. And we want to thank you listeners from whichever podcast platform you're enjoying. And share with someone who loves news, astrology, oracles, and general information. We've got a lot of shows that are pre-recorded. You can go back and listen to. And you can rest assured that if you do, that both of you and all of you who listen will enjoy the facts, great commentary, and nothing but. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Until next time, here we go. 